This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast. Zach here, and we have a legend on the podcast today, Dale Pollock, the founder of Viato, and one of the most well-known speakers and authors on inventory management in the used car industry. Dale, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast again. Good to be with you, Zach. I'm sure many of the dealers listening have heard about your background, but for those who haven't, tell us a little bit about yourself and the founding of Viato. Sure. I grew up in the automobile business. My father, uh, many, many years ago, owned the Dyer Auto Auction in Dyer, Indiana, was a used car dealer, a Buick dealer, uh, Volkswagen Porsche Audi, at the time American Motors. So I grew up in and around the business and worked uh, in the business most of my young life. When I graduated college, uh, I went to work full-time with my father at his Buick dealership in Gary, Indiana, went to law school at night. And then ultimately he and I uh, purchased, mostly he purchased uh, a Cadillac uh, dealership in Elmhurst, Illinois, which we ultimately added GMC truck. And we worked uh, the dealership in Illinois through the uh, mid eighties and into the late nineties. At some point in the late nineties, I, got bit by the technology bug and by automotive technology. And uh, I got involved with a little company in Austin, Texas called Digital Motor Works. And we're really doing exciting stuff, taking information like inventory and sales and service records out of dealerships, DMSs electronically and putting it onto the burgeoning internet on the form of uh, the types of sites like cars.com and auto trader and, giving service and sales data to, um, to, to the likes of AutoNation and others. And that little company, we grew and became quite successful. And ultimately, we sold that to what was then ADP, today better known as CDK. And I was one of a handful of employees that uh, was required to stay with the new acquirer, ADP, for three years. And after a year, they fired me. and. Uh, and I was in a tough spot, the dealership business we had sold in the process, and uh, I was without a job. So I had to come up with something to support my young family, and uh, I took inventory of all that I knew and all that I didn't know, and I had, a, I had an idea that maybe, just maybe, the internet was going to change the way that dealers were going to sell vehicles, and they were going to have to uh, be very price conscious of what they paid for the vehicles and how they price them. And the internet clearly was the reference point. So I created a small startup company uh, that ultimately grew into the auto and ultimately acquired by what was then Auto Trader, part of Cox Automotive. And since that time, I've been uh, working hard with uh, Cox Automotive, creating a variety of new solutions and uh, 12 years after the acquisition, I'm still here and more energized and enthused than ever to, uh, to make meaning or continue to make meaning in the automotive universe. Wow. Such an impressive story. 
and talk about the evolution of the Viato product set from the Viato product you founded kind of in the early days to what is now a suite of products today, including global acquisition system inside ProfitTime GPS. Right. I, I think it's first important to understand that the only thing that ever creates a sustainable performance improvement in any business, and certainly a dealership, is not software. It's, it's a strategy, a strategy, a proper strategy that's well executed. So it's a proper strategy, people, and process. So when I originally created the auto, it, it was really a, a challenger strategy to how used vehicle departments were managed. And that strategy, uh, we call it velocity management. And we built software that was purpose-built to support behaviors consistent with velocity management. And at the time, uh, it was not the norm. It was not initially well accepted, but ultimately because it was the right way to think about doing better in the business, it, it grew and it caught on. And, uh, and the success of, of the company uh, was, was really quite great. Uh, however, around 2017, I began to suspect that perhaps the velocity method of management had run its course. And it was no longer really serving the interests of dealers or the industry at large. And that was a pivotal point for me because I owe everything I have to having been a dealer and to dealers who have supported my solutions in, in the years since. And if I'm not gonna be able to help them, I'm certainly not gonna stick around and, and sell them something or prophesy something that's gonna hurt them. So I gave serious consideration to riding off into the sunset and retiring. I had since sold the company to Cox some years earlier, and I was in a position to do that. But before I was willing to write off, uh, I, I felt a commitment to Cox and to my fellow uh, employees and, and, and business partners, and most importantly, to the dealers who put their faith on me, to see if there wasn't a better way forward. And I honestly didn't believe we'd find a better way forward, but we did. And that's why I'm still here. And that's called variable management. And it's supported by new software that we call Profit Time GPS. And I'm really particularly perhaps most proud of that pivot, that transition, uh, because we all know a lot of once great companies uh, that are the likes of the Codex and the Blockbusters and the Border Books that are no longer around or no longer relevant. Reason being is that they had built a, a business on a certain product or service that at the time was probably right, but uh, you know the environment changes, the world changes, and uh, for a variety of reasons they weren't uh, able to change with it. And uh, and I understand how hard that is, but we uh, we sought a new path forward, all the while knowing that if we were successful with the new path, it would likely be extremely disruptive to our current business. And yet I was able to garner the support of Cox Automotive to do that and our team members. And that's what we're in the process of doing. And uh, I, I know that eventually, eventually um, every dealer in the country will uh, eventually adopt variable management as was the case with velocity management. And the reason I'm so confident of that is that it's just so rational. It's just so rational. And I think that once dealers come to understand what it is, um, it's hard to imagine any dealer saying, no, I'm not going to manage differently in this way. 
Very impressive pivot. It's almost like when Netflix went from DVDs to streaming, you know, in a sense. When I was at NADA this year, I sat in on one of your presentations. Tell me about what you heard at the show and what's top of mind for industry movers and shakers like yourself as it relates to the used car industry. This was my 54th consecutive NADA (laughs) with the exception of the COVID pause. So suffice it to say, I've seen a lot of NADAs. And, And I would say that this past year's convention um, was characterized by a lot of optimism, buoyancy on the part of dealers. Uh, they have come off of uh, a couple of really great years in 2021 and 2022, and they showed up in Dallas this year, I, I, I believe, with a lot of optimism and, and good reason uh, for optimism. That said, however, I think that um, the more enlightened uh, perspective of this coming year and perhaps some years to follow is that it's going to be more challenging. There are definitely some forces at play in the industry that um, are challenging uh, used vehicle sales. Not at the moment, interestingly, but I I believe that we're already beginning to see some signs that some of these these forces are, are coming to be. And I think that it's going to be a bit tougher than perhaps many dealers expect or hope. And I'm not saying it's going to be bad, although, you know, anything can happen. But I, I think that uh, I, I think that the optimism that I saw at, at the convention in Dallas um, possibly may be a bit more muted uh, at, at next year's NADA convention. So speaking of that, what factors have contributed to the recent strength in used vehicle sales? And why is that data kind of a head scratcher? Yeah, typically speaking, uh, January and February are not uh, generally uh, strong used vehicle sales months. And and yet uh, this year, January and February uh, have been uh, pretty good. I wouldn't say great, but pretty robust. And the reason that that's a little bit of a head scratcher is that it's in a very high interest rate environment. Um, For example, the average customer payment on a used vehicle this year uh, is up $123 over what it was a year ago with an additional $500 (laughs) down payment. So, so that, that's a lot of stress. So, so one would question uh, why, used vehicle sales are strong at all uh, in, in, in light of this high interest rate environment. And, and I think there are two answers. One is that um, we saw a precipitous decline in used vehicle sale, or excuse me, used vehicle values, uh, both the wholesale and retail level last year. Wholesale values fell uh, just shy of 20%. So, I think that affordability, the, the, the problem with affordability uh, began to ease by the end of the year and coming into this year, 2022, the affordability of, of these vehicles had gotten a little bit better. But I think also what has been happening is that we are experiencing an early uh, spring tax bounce. Uh, as of at least two weeks ago, refunds uh, that were issued were 65% ahead of what they were at the same time last year. 
the actual amount of the refund is uh, anywhere between 11 to 14 percent lower, but many more refunds have been issued. So um, whenever money flows from the government, a certain amount of it's going to end up in automotive. So I, I think that the confluence of uh, a bit of ease and affordability and um, and tax refund and early tax refund season, I think these are the contributing factors to what we've seen in terms of the strength of used vehicle volume the first couple months. And what factors are likely to affect the market in the near future? Certainly higher interest rates. Uh, the Federal Reserve will have an open committee meeting in March, and I believe again in May, and then June and July. I, I believe those are the correct months. And it's almost a certainty that they'll raise rates in each one of those open committee meetings. And some believe that in the March meeting, it might even be an increase of a half a point. And, and that is obviously going to filter into used car loans. And in fact, the average used car interest rate um, on, a, on, a, on a retail installment loan is about 13 and some quarter percent. And it's up substantially over January, and it's only going to continue to rise. So whenever interest rates rise, it will have a dampening effect on used vehicle volumes. The other sort of things at play, which I think are going to uh, depress this relatively strong level of used retail sales volume going into the future is that if we are experiencing uh, a bounce from early refunds, the peak of those refunds will come sooner than it traditionally does. So at some point, and it's unknown when, but I guess maybe I might speculate it might be around April, we will have seen or perhaps surpassed the peak in refunds. So when the government money uh, begins to slow, uh, it's likely to have a dampening effect on used retail sales volume. And then I, I think the other factor is, are rebates. Uh, new vehicle inventory is building, even though it's spotty among certain uh, OEMs, it is building. And as inventory builds, so too will incentives. In fact, we've seen incentives build steadily since the first of the year, and they're likely to continue to grow as inventories grow. And when the manufacturer begins to incentivize the new vehicle uh, to an ever greater extent, it's going to transition some of the demand from light model use to new. So what I refer to as the, the three R's, rates, refunds, and rebates, I think are forces at play that will likely uh, suppress uh, used retail volume uh, into the latter spring and summer and perhaps the rest of the year. Interesting. And has your view of inventory management changed kind of as we're getting into the post-pandemic times? Well, yes and no. There are certain aspects of inventory management which I think are, are uh, ubiquitously relevant. One is not stocking more vehicles than you sell in a 30-day period. And many dealers believe that they have to stock cars to sell more cars, and that is absolutely not correct. Uh, you can absolutely sell more cars if you're in stock. If you are better at pricing, if you're better at stocking, if you're better at reconditioning, it's really a, a crutch, or it's, it's perhaps the sign of a weak dealer. 
that says that they have to stock more cars to sell more cars because really what it does is it uh, is it excuses a lot of operational inefficiencies that if otherwise addressed would help dealers do more with less. So I, I believe that one thing that hasn't changed about inventory management is uh, is the prudent advice to uh, keep roughly a 30-day supply uh, measured against your rolling 30-day sales total. What has changed in used car management, I believe, or should change in used car management, is the strategy that dealers pursue for success. And more specifically, I'm talking about the strategy from transitioning from velocity management to variable management. And if you really think about what velocity management meant, if you boil it down, it really said to dealers, price all cars as competitively as you can, as fast as you can, for more turn, the better. And and at some level, you would say, well, what could be wrong with that? Well, number one, nothing until everybody does it, and then it becomes a race to the bottom. But another thing that we now know about velocity management due to the benefit today of data science and discovery is that not all cars are the same. Uh, and, and a one-size-fits-all approach, which Velocity was, no longer gives dealers the opportunity to optimize the potential of every vehicle. Uh, if, if you take the same approach to every vehicle, it assumes that every vehicle holds the same potential when, in fact, we know that they don't. So variable management, hence the name variable management, has been created based on data science and discovery that today allows us to better understand the inherent potential of each individual vehicle. And once you understand the inherent potential of each individual vehicle, what you can do is take a varied approach to managing each vehicle in terms of your expectation of how long it should take for that vehicle to turn and how you should price that vehicle. So what I say needs to change and will eventually change is uh, the transition of the strategy from velocity to variable management. So how can dealers achieve more consistency and fewer disconnects between appraising and pricing? By keeping in mind that the best way to know how to get into a car is to first know how to get out of it. And today, again, with the benefit of data and data discovery, we know better today what it's going to take to get out of a vehicle than we ever have in the past. So if you work from that retail out back by subtracting your desired profit, by subtracting your reconditioning expenses, by subtracting any other related acquisition costs, it, it, it should direct you to the right, right amount of money to pay for a vehicle. And, and I want to make this point. When I say that we know better today than what it's going to take to get out of a vehicle, we have actually today developed the data science where we can predict the probability of any vehicle selling at any price in the next seven days. And, and let me repeat that. Hmm. Today, with a very high degree of, of reliability, we can predict the probability of any vehicle selling at any price in the next seven days. Now, we don't want every vehicle to sell in the next seven days. We'd be leaving a lot of uh, opportunity on the table. What we do want is we want vehicles to sell in an appropriate period of time in order to maximize the return on investment. 
But suffice it to say, with that technology, we know better today than we've ever been able to know what it's going to take to get out of a vehicle. And as I said, once you know what it's going to take to get out of a vehicle, by working backwards, you can more properly determine what you should pay to get into the vehicle. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to move on to another topic. What are your thoughts on pre-owned EVs and should dealers approach inventory management differently with EV vehicles? I think EV vehicles uh, represent a whole new set of of challenges and issues and opportunities for dealers. Um, I don't necessarily perceive that it changes the basic fundamental principles of good use vehicle management at least in terms of the need to not stock more than you're selling in a 30-day period. I don't think it changes the need to price every vehicle uh, properly in a manner that is designed to optimize its full investment return potential. So I don't think that uh, any aspect of EVs changes the basic core principles or fundamentals of good used vehicle inventory management discipline. I do, however, believe that the introduction of EVs does present some uh, additional challenges and opportunities for dealers. Some of those challenges simply are the need to know how to value a used EV, because obviously the battery life of that vehicle and the battery condition of that vehicle bears greatly on the value of the vehicle. Um, I think dealers will also have to have um, investments to to be successful with, with EVs new or used in terms of new tools and training and technology to service those vehicles. Uh, so I, I, I think that, you know, these are real issues. These are issues that Cox Automotive is aware of and has anticipated, and we're making significant investment to Cox Automotive to provide dealers with solutions for those types of issues like uh, valuing a vehicle by assessing the true life expectancy of the battery or its current condition. Uh, we're making uh, significant investments in, in, in areas of, of battery recovery uh, because there's a whole environmental set of issues in terms of what you do with batteries and, and, and how you dispose of them properly and responsibly. So we're making a lot of investment anticipating the whole new world of EVs. And I think EVs represent uh, a great opportunity for dealers to um, to, to specialize their used vehicle operations to a growing segment of the market. So it's, it's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting space full of opportunity and, and full of challenges and one that I'm confident dealers will recognize and step up to. So Dale, if you were a used car dealer looking to scale your business, at what point, for instance, like vehicles sold per month or vehicles on lot, would you consider profit time GPS? Well, I, I think it's, I think, you know, every dealer is going to have to make a decision for themselves where they put their priorities. And, and personally, I, I wouldn't advise anybody to get into the used car business or to stay in the used car business if they didn't have the resources to support uh, the fundamentals of the business. And, and certainly one component of, of a fundamental requirement to be successful in the business uh, is, is a tool 
that will give dealers the necessary information and insights to make reasoned, rational, and hopefully optimal decisions. So, you know, I, I think that that if a dealer says himself, you know, I'm too small to afford the, the necessary tools, training, technology, uh, human capital, whatever it takes to be successful, if, if you're saying, I don't have those resources, um, I, I don't know what you're doing in the business. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that there's not a, a place for small dealers, but I, I think that if you're going to take the trip, uh, you better be sure that you can afford the gas. That makes sense. And you've written six books, including your most recent 2022 release, "Hold Truth: The Fresh Money Making Method to Wholesale." What are some of the key takeaways for dealers interested in reading this book? Well, there are, there are many takeaways in the book. I, I think perhaps one of the main tech takeaways is that I, I think that dealers fundamentally dispose of vehicles in the wholesale market in a very inefficient manner. Um, I think that there's a lack of transparency as to what's really going on. Um, I think that um, dealers approach the disposition of used wholesale vehicles on a one-by-one basis. In other words, with an eye towards optimizing their exit on each individual vehicle, but yet at the same time, perhaps compromising the overall opportunity on the whole. And, and, And let me perhaps explain a bit more about what I mean. There's no question that in order to get the optimal value of, from a vehicle in the wholesale market, it requires a number of things. But one of the things that it requires is to put that vehicle in front of the maximum number of, of proper proper potential buyers. And, and that means a very robust auction, curated auction environment. In other words, not any auction environment, not a auction environment that brings small numbers of, of workers and, and potential buyers. It means large numbers, but it's not just simply large numbers. What you want to do is you want to put the right vehicle in front of the largest number of potential buyers with the need or the desire for that particular type of vehicle that's being offered. And and this is the premise upon which I created a solution called Upside. Because what I know is if the dealers would put every wholesale vehicle they have to dispose of in front of a large audience, a curated audience of of potential buyers that actually have interest and need for the particular vehicle online, consistently it's going to bring on average the highest amount of money. However, that doesn't mean that it's going to do it in every single instance. There may be somebody in another type of disposition channel that might pay more for the vehicle. But I think that if dealers said, listen, my objective is on average to get the most amount of money I can from the disposition of my vehicles. And what that requires is it requires them to commit all their vehicles to a single proper optimal channel, they would do better. But this is a very significant change in thinking from the culture of disposition also market today. But the, the basic economics can be changed and improved for the benefit of the dealer 
but they're going to have to change their behavior. And what that means largely is committing themselves to one optimal channel, optimal channel for the majority, if not all of their vehicles. As long as they want to parse them out, one over here, one over there, one through this channel, one through that channel, they are going to not achieve the overall return on average that they could if they took a portfolio approach to disposition. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And lastly, can you give us an idea of what's coming down the pipeline from Viato and the Cox inventory team in 2023? The, the, the thesis of creating Cox Automotive was and remains that if we can put together a, a, a spectrum of solutions, that, that serve dealers' needs uh, across both the wholesale and retail and ultimately the ownership segment of, of, of the industry. If, if, if we can put together a spectrum of solutions that covers the entire range of, of, of wholesale, retail, and, and, and ownership, and if those solutions can talk to each other, when I say talk to each other, what I mean is uh, much more than just single sign-in logon, but really have interoperability. Interoperability is key, and that means sharing data and have fluidity of data across all the spectrums. What will come out of it are, are, are new, more powerful solutions that will be uh, more relevant to, to dealers and, and to consumers. Now, in order to do that, it takes a lot of work. Takes a lot of work to create interoperability and data sharing uh, among uh, two different disparate systems that that have been acquired or created along a timeline, let alone dozens or hundreds. And this is where Cox Automotive is. We have hundreds of solutions that cover a very wide spectrum, and we have spent enormous amount of capital and time over the course of the last ten years that we've created Cox Automotive essentially doing the plumbing, uh, doing, doing the, the work that isn't very visible to, to the industry, but is absolutely necessary in order to create these new, innovative, more powerful products. And I would say that just now at this past NADA convention in Dallas, we are just now beginning to show the fruits of all of that labor and investment. So for example, at this past convention, we introduced 20-some new points of integration across a variety of different solutions and about a dozen new innovative products that have, uh, that have resulted and would not otherwise have been possible without all that previous decade of work. So what you can expect from Cox Automotive in the coming years is ever more interoperability, fluidity among the solutions that dealers have. But for me, what's really most exciting is that we're going to be able to create new solutions that otherwise never would have been possible had we not had the wide breadth and depth of data and solutions that we offer today. So a lot of exciting stuff coming, innovative stuff coming, and, and, and better, better interoperability between and among existing solutions. So we understand why we created Cox Automotive. We have and will continue to invest heavily in the infrastructure, the plumbing, and ultimately what everyone really wants and is excited about 
are the new solutions that take advantage of all that interoperability. And this past NADA convention, as I said, was really the first one that I can point to to say that we're actually seeing now the fruits of, of all that investment. That's exciting. It sounds really innovative and cutting edge to kind of build that you know, all-in-one platform of uh, companies. And Dale, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. It's literally been a masterclass on inventory management. Always amazing to have you on. Thank you, Zach. It's a pleasure to be with you.